Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, I summarize a few of the best-selling authors we interviewed this year, including key highlights from their books, and Lauren and I share additional reads that we love. Recently, many of you have been reaching out to us on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Millennial Minimalists about our book recommendations. And today, we are finally sharing our top picks from the year and what we are reading today. Over the past 12 months, we spoke with notable New York Times bestselling authors about everything from how to manage physical excess to areas of mental clutter, including anxiety, overwork, and financial stress, to how to overcome everyday distractions, and much, much more. As many of you may know, in addition to physical clutter, much of the excess in our lives is invisible. It's mental clutter. And you'll be reminded in this conversation that this lifestyle provides us with the space to live more intentionally so that we can manage all the areas of excess that may be getting in our way. Be inspired to adopt some of the key takeaways from our guest experts today to further help you live a more meaningful life. Well, first off, Lauren, we should be super proud of ourselves for all the work and interviews we have done this year. We had so many great guests on the podcast, and I'm excited to get into some of the key takeaways today from all of our conversations and also share some of our favorite reads from the year. Yeah, I have so many books I can't wait to tell the audience about. <laughs> yeah, I know. You are a ferocious reader. It amazes me how many books you read a year. I'm going through the list of all those that we interviewed and all the books that I read for those interviews and all the books that I read in addition to those interviews. I was like, oh, wow, I had a pretty good year. Uh, next year, I'd like to bring it up to three books a month. But where are you right now? How many books do you read a month? I mean, I try to do a book a week if I can do it, but mm, it depends okay. how long the book is. Sometimes I read books really slow because they're so good. I want to just enjoy them. But yeah, I guess maybe anywhere from like two to four books a month. That's incredible. And as many of you may already know, uh, Lauren loves to read physical books and I prefer audiobooks. I don't know. I, I'm I'm able to focus on the words while I'm walking. A lot of people struggle with that. And for me, I struggle with sitting down and reading a physical book. I, I don't know why, but I get bored. Whereas when I'm walking or doing something else and I'm reading, I get into it more. It's so interesting how it works differently for everybody. Yeah. I would do audiobooks. I do digital books, not physical. <laughs> oh, right. Right. Yeah. yeah I listen to it. <laughs> That's <laughs> the difference. I do read the news every morning though, uh, and listen to tons of podcasts. I find myself listening to an average of three podcasts every morning. We should do another episode where we talk about our favorite podcasts as well. So yeah, we should. I feel like that's why I read is because when I listen, I listen to podcasts and I need to like differentiate the two. Yeah. And you probably, you get so many insights onto other books that are out there and upcoming books and authors, right? So, yeah. so interesting enough, this time last year, I was reading Gretchen Rubin's book, Outer Order, Inner Calm. So that's the first book I want to mention. So I was actually stuck in the Cayman Islands with COVID. And in that experience, which was a challenge, I also landed an interview with Gretchen and I couldn't have been more ecstatic. And I would say that researching for that interview really, really kept me busy and made me forget about having COVID. <laughs> so that book is, is wonderful. So Gretchen Rubin, obviously she's New York Times bestselling author. She's written several books around what makes people happy. So she actually studies happiness for a living, Lauren. So she used to be a lawyer 
And one day she realized, you know, I, I really enjoy writing and she really wanted to pursue writing. And in those experiences, she became fascinated about what makes people happy. And she got into the research and she realized that removing the excess from your life is one of the best ways to improve your happiness. And in her own experiences, decluttering her home and her children's things, she realized the great benefits that come with living less. And she did feel this great sense of happiness she hadn't felt before. And that's what inspired her to write Out of Order in her calm. And in our discussion, so I interviewed her back in January, it's episode 120. She shares a rule that she calls the one minute rule to help us clear the excess. She says, anything you can do in less than one minute, do it then. Hang up your clothes, which she calls, you know, many people have a floor robe. <laughs> and she says, open a letter and recycle it. Challenge yourself to remove X items while watching a show on a commercial break, while listening to a podcast, etc." But what I love most about her book is that her central message is that when you have outer order, like an orderly home and just it promotes inner calm. You'll have more peace of mind. You'll feel lighter. And she argues that it makes our lives easier. She says, we can now find things in our homes. We're not chasing, running, running and trying to find our keys. And, you know, it also helps us rid our lives of the things that make us feel bad. A lot of the time we're holding on to things that actually don't make us feel good. So it's another thing to think about. And she also pointed out how when we get rid of all the things that get in our way, we feel more engaged with the things we have and we take better care of them. And that's actually a point that you introduced me to many years ago, Lauren. I remember you telling me, you're like, oh, well, because I have less clothing items, I take better care of them. Yeah. I remember when I lived with roommates, if I lent them an article of clothing and they would like throw it on their floor in a crumpled mess, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that's one of the 10 things that I own. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true we do so, take yeah. better care of them because we're more aware of the things that we own and usually they're higher quality items so we want to take better care of them so and also she mentioned that outer order helps us create the space to help others and bigger problems in the world so it helps us to turn outwards and again, in our book and in her book and in her, in our discussion, you will learn how to manage other things like sentimental items, how to avoid impulse buying, why underbuying can be troubling and so, so much more. So I highly recommend that book. It's definitely a helpful book when you are just starting to declutter your home and you, maybe you're just new to this lifestyle and you want to learn a little bit more. I highly recommend that read. Great. No, that was such a good book. I love Gretchen Rubin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first book on my list is how to fail at almost everything and still win big. So if, yeah, it's such a good book. It's written by Scott Adams. And if you guys have been listening to this podcast for years, you know, I'm like all over the map. Like one day I'm taking stand-up comedy courses. The next day I'm like selling real estate. I'm working on a podcast. I'm always trying new things. I'm I, I like that side of me, but when I found this book, it just made everything and my thought process make sense. Um, essentially, the book, the author shares a number of theories and techniques in his life that he believes can increase a person's likelihood of success. And I felt like the book taught me, it made me comfortable with failing and taking yes. risks and extracting 
something out of that failure and not even seeing it as failure, trying something like everything that you try in your life, you're going to learn something from it. You're probably going to make connections. And the more skills that you learn, this is one of the quotes in the book, every skill you acquire doubles your odds of success. Mm. So instead of getting down on yourself for failing at something, you actually increase your odds of succeeding at the next thing. And just looking at it as a positive thing. And then you can apply it to every area of your life, testing business ideas, going on dates, trying new workouts, like, yeah, all all of these things will eventually lead to success. Um, Some of the other things that he talked about in the book was match your energy to the tasks in the day. So for instance, Kelly and I, we both know our energy levels. She's super energetic at night. I'm super energetic in the morning. (laughs) And I use that, like I get my most creative, most important work done right when I wake up because that's when my mind is at its peak. Whereas in the afternoon, I'm not as energetic. So I do more tedious things that you know, don't require as much creativity or thinking. And then in the evening, I don't work at all. I usually just relax because I'm checked out at that point. Yeah. He also talks about really focusing on your natural advantages and talents in life. For instance, I'm a natural minimalist. So I'm a co-host on a minimalism podcast, just finding what you're already good at And that's what's going to get you above the curve. So, you know, we talk so much about life and pursuing your passion, you know, pursue your talents because your talents have you ahead of other people already. So you're more likely to be successful with that. He also talks about systems instead of goals, which Kelly and I have touched on. But, you know, he said when you have goals, you feel short of something until you accomplish it. But when you have a system, you succeed every time you apply it. So there's just a lot of great information in this book. And a few quotes I want to share. Passion can be a simple marker for talent. Failure is a tool, not an outcome. Priorities are the things you need to get right so the things you love can thrive. And failure always brings something of value with it. I don't let it leave until I extract that value. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's really good. I like that you're reinforcing the idea that with failure comes growth and a new skill that's gained. And so that when you go and focus on the next thing, you'll have that added skill set. So, you know, I've always seen failure as an opportunity. I think it's important that we all fail, you know, not, not just for the fact that we gain skills, but for the fact that it makes us step back and realize, hey, we're only, we're only human. No one's perfect. And yeah. through failure, we learn. And it also, it pushes you to try things and take risks because if you go into it being like, if this succeeds, great. If it doesn't, then Mm -hmm. what can I use to try the next thing? So you're, it's kind of inevitable that you're going to be successful if you go in with that mentality. You also become a lot more resilient. And uh, this actually goes into the next book I want to share. And the next interview I conducted earlier this year, it was with Anthony O'Neill. He wrote the book, Debt-Free Degree. And in this book and in our discussion, that was episode 122, Anthony speaks about how to get out of debt and build financial freedom. For him, he was in debt and he eventually built financial freedom. He shares his story. He went from being broke and living in his car to then shifting his mindset and changing his habits 
to now becoming debt-free and building wealth. And today he dedicates his time to teaching others about the fundamentals of money, because as we know, a lot of people are not taught at an early age and they're not, they're not taught how to use their money wisely. And he teaches them the steps that they can follow to achieve their financial goals. Now he shares with me how he started asking himself questions to help him shift his mindset from a scarcity mindset to a growth mindset. I asked him, I said, Hey, like you're, you're living in a car, you're down on yourself, you're in debt. Like, how did you move from that scenario to where you are today? You know, he's got, he's, kind of built his own empire now and he has a huge podcast the table with anthony o'neill and he's really grown from that experience i was like how did you begin to get out of that mindset and he said that he asked himself questions like how did i get here so it made him reflect okay so what happened in my childhood or what did i not learn about money what did i not know about money that got me into the situation and then he asked the question where am i going and why do i want to go there so he asked himself like what's his why what does he want you know and today, again, his goal is to help others rewrite their financial stories. I love that he said that, like rewrite your story. And some of his key takeaways were eliminate and avoid debt, live below your means like you and I do, Lauren, or we, we really try to start investing, be uncomfortable, exit that comfort zone. We all know that nothing, nothing really comes from living in the comfort zone. Although being uncomfortable is scary, there are so many benefits and rewards later on. And lastly, adopt a growth mindset. And it was actually Tom Bilyeu. Uh, I know you're a big fan of Tom Bilyeu, Lauren. He has the Impact Theory podcast, and he was the person who inspired me to adopt a growth mindset. I, in many ways, I always have. I've always been a positive person, but I never really thought about it as, okay, well, you know, in order to reach your goals, you have to grow and you have to challenge yourself. And again, you have to fail and go through all those experiences and be open to change and all those things. So, so I highly recommend that book. If you are someone who may have debt, or if you are someone who is very comfortable in their job and they, they want to start investing or they want to have a level of financial freedom, whatever that means to them, definitely check out Anthony O'Neill's book. Yeah. And yeah. again, also our interview, it's episode 122. Yeah, that was such a good interview. Thanks. So the next book on my list, I think Kelly and I can both relate to this. It's called Nervous Energy. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so it's by Dr. Chloe Carmichael. And essentially, the book teaches you how to take anxiety from an obstacle to an advantage. And she talks about having a list so that you can channel your nervous energy. So you know, we all know what anxiety and that feels like, but if you think about it, it actually is energy. So if you have a list of things that you can take that shot of energy and apply it to, then it can actually be beneficial to you as opposed to getting paralyzed or being stuck in the moment with these feelings. And with people like Kelly and I, taking time to strategize things can save you a lot of energy in the long run. It also talks about breaking down complex problems or goals into manageable steps, which I think can benefit so many people. We look at such the big picture, the long term of things, and then we can't fathom what to do in the actual moment. Mm -hmm. Some of the best quotes in the book, by writing specific doable actions that target what is in our control, 
we can direct energy towards factors we are capable of changing. Generating a mental shortlist of everything you would rather be thinking about than ruminating on an undesirable or unproductive topic makes it easy to distract yourself from any counterproductive thinking that makes you feel stuck. And I think we all get so caught up with things in our mind and it's hard to get out of that thinking process. So actually having a physical list to go and have other things to think about can be really beneficial. Mm -hmm. And she also talks about learning the techniques in the book will actually help you better organize your thoughts and make use of your emotions in a productive way. Like I'm a highly sensitive person. I, I really think about things a lot, which can be beneficial to a lot of areas of my life, but can also not be good if I'm ruminating about the wrong things or putting myself down a rabbit hole. And I, I've noticed with myself, I've actually, when I start having like that thought process where I'm just going down and down and down with a something I'm worried about, I will physically stop myself and be like, no, stop. We're not <laughs> going to keep thinking that way. We're not going to keep thinking about this. Like we need to think about something else. So it's a great book if you are suffering from anxiety or it's directed towards high functioning people. So if you just really get caught up in that thought process and you kind of want to take that energy and put it towards something more productive, I highly recommend the book. I, this actually goes into the next book that I'm, I'm going to share. I, I was going to share another one, but I'm going to go, I'm going to share this one next because we'll keep the topic on anxiety. Anxiety is a topic that we've focused a lot on this past year. Again, mental clutter, mental clutter is, um, mental and emotional clutter. That's the biggest area that you and I are both working on. And it seems like Dr. Chloe, am I correct? She seems like she's really focused on mindfulness training for anxiety. And that's very similar to what Dr. Judd Brewer communicates in his book, which is called unwinding anxiety. New science shows how to break the cycles of worry and fear to heal your mind. Dr. Judd, that's episode 133. He is a widely recognized addiction psychiatrist and neuroscientist specializing in anxiety and habit change. And in his book and in our discussion, Lauren, you would join that interview. He shares clinically proven steps to help us break free of fear and uncertainty so that we can feel less stressed. And it's interesting because actually I, I listened back to the interview recently, Lauren, and when we opened up the interview, you said, you know, it's very ironic. We both feel very anxious about this interview because <laughs> you're such a big deal. <laughs> and it's ironic that we're talking about your book, Unwinding Anxiety. But uh, anyways, he talks about how anything can trigger anxiety. I remember asking him, oh, you know, what are the main triggers? But really anything can. And he talks about how our anxieties can lead to unhealthy habits, such as overeating, not sleeping enough, smoking, over drinking, nail biting, you name it. And he shares a simple step-by-step -step plan to help us break unhealthy habit loops, which are feelings of worry and fear. And he says, the first way is to challenge ourselves to understand our anxiety triggers, to stop and say, okay, what is triggering this feeling right now? For example, the other day, I had a very anxious feeling. I, I said to myself, I caught myself like you did, Lauren. I said, okay, why do I feel like this? Sometimes I forget. I'm like, oh, why did my emotions just change? Why do I feel anxious? I'm like, oh yeah, that email I got, that made me feel really anxious. And he also shows us how we can diffuse our triggers through the practice of curiosity and mindfulness training. That's what it is. We're in that moment, we're being mindful. We're like, hey, I feel this way. What was the trigger? And how can I change my 
thinking or my current pattern? How can I be curious about this feeling so that I can change it? And he shares some stats, which were super alarming. This episode specifically, and this book is information packed. So many incredible studies that he shared. Again, he is a psychiatrist and neuroscientist. He is brilliant. And he shared some alarming stats. He said that 31% of American adults experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. And 19% of Americans have had an anxiety disorder within the past year. That is such, so high. And he has studies to support that the highest anxiety rates exist in higher income countries. This means, Lauren, that we the more we have, the more on our plates, the more anxiety that we will experience. And I believe that to be true, right? When we have too much going on, we just get too anxious because especially myself and you in many ways, I'm a perfectionist. So in many ways, it's like you want to perfect everything. And when you have so much on your plate, you can't perfect everything. And so then the anxiety seeps in, right? And he shares so many practical tips to help us manage that anxiety and manage those feelings. He says, quote, watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. So powerful. Again, mindfulness training can go a really long way. We can train our brains to be aware of these feelings and manage them better. Yeah, that was such a great book. I love that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the book I'm currently reading is called Unlearn, 101 Simple Truths for a Better Life. This is the type of book where you can just pick up and read a few pages because it's divided through 101 Simple Truths. Uh, it's by Humble the Poet. And essentially, you relearn unconventional ways of moving through life. So the biggest takeaways I got from this book are celebrate your unique characteristics. I felt like when I was growing up, I was like, please don't vote me class clown. Like, I don't want to be the class clown. And everyone voted me the class clown. Really? Wow. Yeah, you they had, did. You had comedy in you then. I had no idea. Oh, I've always been the like goofy kid. <laughs> That's adorable. I love it. But but I hated it. And then as I grew up, I was like, you know, I have this like great sense of humor. I should take comedy writing courses and try stand up. So I definitely found that unique characteristic in myself. And he really talks about celebrating it in the book. Um, he talks about how difficulty makes something worth it. So I feel like when I'm struggling with things, I'm like, it's okay. Like once I figure it out, it'll be worth it. Wanting less will definitely make you happier than getting more. I think we can all relate to this. He said that most of us have wanted something for so long. And once we received it, it wasn't all that. And that we kind of inflated the sense of euphoria or contentment once we would get it. Because we always think that we'll be happier once we achieve something. And then once we get it, we just want the next thing. So he just really addresses that in the book. And some of my favorite quotes are people who aren't happy with what they have won't be happy with what they get. The most important relationship you have is with yourself. He talks a lot about once you're comfortable with yourself and you get along with yourself and you like yourself, that's when you can have really meaningful relationships with other people. Don't care about what others think until you've taken your own thoughts into consideration. We're so quick to like jump on judgments and what other people are saying and doing without thinking of ourselves and how we feel or, or what we think of the situation. 
I like to remember as long as there's breath in my lungs, I can create any life I wish to create. So he's very, the book talks a lot about death and how, you know, we're all going to die one day and you shouldn't worry so much because you're just going to die and everyone's going to die and then it won't matter. And we have such a short time here on earth. So like to make the most out of your time and go after what you want and build this life you want. Um, and, and, and avoid the comparison trap. It seems like yeah. he may have touched on that as well. Okay. Yeah. He does talk a lot about that. One thing he said was getting anything done is better than doing nothing. I always think about that when I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to like call my real estate clients or like right. make the notes for the podcast. I'm like, you know what though? Even if I make five notes, at least it's something like I did something. It's it's not nothing. And one of the quotes he said in this book, he talks a lot about relationships and I wish I had this framed on my wall during okay. those years that I was dating. Never mistake incompatibility for your personal worth. I think so many times, especially people who are dating, they get ghosted. They don't get texted back. Someone's not interested. And they take, they're like, oh, it's me. I'm not worthy. Right. But it's like, no, you're not compatible with that person. And that has nothing to do with your personal worth. So I feel for people who are dating and are going through this. And that quote really resonated with me. It's, it's, it's so a great true. book. Yeah. Yeah. I love that point. It's, it's really about how, you know, I remember when you were dating and I would say, don't worry, Lauren, it's okay. You know, everybody has a different person out there for them. Everyone has a different taste. It's nothing about you. And sometimes it's hard to remind ourselves that, you know, you might just not be someone's type. It may not even be physical. It might be a personality trait. It may be something that you enjoy doing that they don't enjoy doing. You might play golf and they hate golf and they're like, no, <laughs> you could be, <laughs> be anything, but it's true. Don't take it personally. That actually, uh, I have another book to share. It's called The Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz. And it's my favorite book ever. And he talks about the four agreements, which include don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions and always do your best. And I actually reread that book back in March of this year. I try to read it every other year just to remind myself. It's such a good book. It's also pretty short, so it's an easy read, but, uh, but yeah, don't make assumptions don't take things personally because it may not be associated with you. That person may not even have been ready for a relationship. You don't know, right? You don't know. But closure kind of helps. But it's interesting how we always put it on ourselves as we're not good enough when really it could be so many other things. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, like I said, I, I feel it's hard not to think that. It's like, oh, they don't like me or no one likes me. But you just got to go out there and find the person that you're compatible with. <laughs> totally, totally. I like that uh, this author, it seems like he also touched on contentment and how contentment's a good thing. So I spoke with Jamie Varon in episode 129. Her book is called Radically Content, Being Satisfied in an Endlessly Dissatisfied World. And Jamie speaks about how contentment and how being in a state of contentment or satisfaction can give us the space to cultivate a happier and more intentional life. Now, originally when I saw this book, I was thinking, oh, contentment, contentment's not a good thing. Originally, I, I thought, no, you to be content means you're not ambitious, but that's actually completely incorrect. I learned that contentment is a positive thing. She quotes an author, Tony Gaskins. He says, to be content doesn't mean you don't desire more. It means you're thankful for what you have and have the patience for what's to come. 
So she found herself feeling extremely anxious, Lauren. She was stuck in the rat race, the idea that she she needed to be the 30 under 30. And so she was always competing. And she originally came to this point where she's like, you know what? This is too overwhelming. I'm going to go away. She went to a different country. She's like, I'm just going to take some space, disconnect from writing for a bit and move slowly and move at my own pace. And she grew a level of contentment in that experience. She realized, hey, like I should be grateful for the things that I've already accomplished and the things that I want to accomplish in the future. And I should go slowly, move at my own pace. And she teaches you in this book to learn how to embrace a level of contentment because she says, quote, that it fosters happiness being grateful for what you have versus thinking about what you don't have. It fosters less stress and peace of mind. It allows us to be at peace with the present. It fosters freedom, feeling less pressure, less stress, and it gives you greater satisfaction and self-discipline. So yeah, it was a really good discussion. I This book was so easy for me to read. Her words are paired together so well and they're just so deep and you just feel so connected to her her words and she wrote an article in the Huffington Post back in 2016 Lauren that went viral and it's titled to anyone who thinks they're falling behind in life and I read this article back then and then I put two and two and together I was like oh that's Jamie Varon who I'm interviewing I, I was like oh okay this is this is the same person And in this piece, she talks about how we all need to give ourselves permission to be human and move at our own pace. And she says, quote, to be radically content is about being satisfied in our endlessly dissatisfied world, seeing all that there is that you have already accomplished and being grateful. Now, this is something that you and I need to work on, Lauren. We need to work on feeling a level of contentment. We're always thinking, oh, what's the next thing I can accomplish or Everything that we've accomplished to date, it's not enough. Just like the idea, you know, the previous author you just mentioned, it's just do a little bit of one thing and then be grateful for that. That's why I have a bullet journal so I can cross things out and just say, hey, I did that. But it's interesting how sometimes we're like, okay, well, there's eight hours in the workday and you've only got a certain amount of stuff done. Sometimes I get hard on myself. I'm like, oh, I didn't get enough done within those hours. I could have got more done. But now I'm starting to realize, stop saying that. (laughs) be grateful and content with what you've done. You're still moving towards your goal. You're still getting things done for those you work for. Relax. Yeah. Do you ever feel like I feel with my to-do list that you're just doing something to get it off the list, whether you do a good job or not? You know what? I try to put my best work into everything, but I've started to realize sometimes things just need to be done and good enough is good enough for certain things. Which goes into our next point, talking about the present moment and not just trying to get things done. I read this book, I think maybe two or three years ago, but it is incredible. It's a book I always go back to. It's huge. It's by Eckhart Tolle. It's called A New Earth. Essentially, the book teaches you how to live in the present moment. One thing I recommend to the readers, if you want to read this book, Oprah, she interviews the author, Eckhart, on Apple Podcasts she interviews him on every single chapter. So I would listen to the interview and then I would read that chapter, listen to the next interview, read that chapter. It will really help you understand it better, get more out of it than just trying to read the book on your own. Cause when I first started reading the book, 
years and years and years ago. It didn't make any sense to me. And then I went back later on in my life and it started to make sense to me because I was ready for the information because it's, it really talks about getting out of your thinking mind, understanding your ego, being in the present moment, being before doing, and you have to be ready for these concepts to apply them to your life. And some of the best quotes in the book, the greatest achievement of humanity is not its works of art, science, or technology, but the recognition of its own dysfunction and its own madness. I thought that was amazing. Just act as if you have it and it will come. And the third one, give and it will be given to you. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah. The book is incredible. It will just, like I said, it'll teach you to rise above your thoughts, get out of your thinking mind, get into the present moment. And if that's especially one of your New Year's resolutions is to really become mindful, then I highly recommend this book. And if it's hard to follow, uh, listen to the interview because the way Oprah can break things down and simplify his concepts it makes a lot more sense yeah wow we've talked about Eckert a few times I know he's one of your favorites Lauren he is yeah yeah that's very neat that you went back to her episode to kind of break everything down because his chapters are probably very very compact with information yeah so it, it helps you simplify each chapter so that makes sense so another book that I'd like to recommend is do nothing how to break away from overworking overdoing and underliving it's by author Celeste Headley we both interviewed her it's episode 131 and in this book she begins by sharing her story with burnout So if you are someone who is feeling the signs of burnout or is going through burnout, definitely check out this book. So she is an American radio show host and speaker, and she did a TED talk called 10 Ways to Have a Better Conversation that ended up going viral. It actually has 27 million views to date. Definitely check it out. But after this video blew up, you know, her burnout got even worse. She got to the severe stage of burnout because all of these new opportunities came at her. So then she stepped back, quit her corporate job and said, hey, I'm going to work for myself. And in working for herself, she thought, oh, well, I'll just decrease my level of burnout. I'll be able to manage my time better. But at the end of the day, she couldn't. That was not the best solution because she was stuck in our society's obsession with efficiency, Lauren. And in this book, she shares helpful strategies to help us break free of our unhealthy obsession with busyness so that we can reclaim our time, reduce our feelings of anxiety and guilt, and make room for more leisure. Something that is actually on my list to make more room for next year is to have more of a balanced lifestyle. She argues that our society has been impacted by a virus called the fast life. So she was living that fast life. And she says that we judge our days by how efficient they are rather than how fulfilling. It's so true. For example, Lauren, you'll say, hey, Kelly, how was your day? I'll be like, oh yeah, I got this done. I got this done. I got this done. I got this done. It's like, no, step back and be like, okay, how was your day? Oh, I had a great day. This happened and this happened. You know, a lot of people, they'll list off all the work that they're doing, or they'll just say, oh, it was very busy, you know, because busy is important. (laughs) Yeah. Or I feel like you're like, oh, today's not good because I didn't get anything done. (laughs) (laughs) That is me. That is me to a T. Yeah. Like if it's not efficient, it's, oh, today wasn't successful, but you shouldn't see it that way. 
You know, we need to remind ourselves, we need a break. We need more time for leisure. The central message in her book and in our conversation is that in addition to avoiding and managing signs of burnout is to make more time for play. She says that, and she argues that we've lost sight of play. And it's so true, you know, even in times of play, for example, let's say we're on vacation, we engage in busyness. For example, we'll pull out our phone and we'll start taking a zillion pictures and we'll actually miss the site that we're trying to take a picture of, right? Or the experience because we're not being present in the moment. So she really advocates making time for leisure that doesn't involve being busy in other things. And uh, again, her book is called Do Nothing, and it's such a powerful conversation. Lauren, you were the first to read this book. And when you shared the title with me, I was like, ah, I have to read this. <laughs> do nothing doesn't mean do nothing, but it means do nothing in moments because we need to recover. We all need that. And again, it's episode 131 with Celeste Headley. Yeah, she was so well-spoken. I loved that interview. <laughs> yeah, she was so great. We we actually had a really good connection with her. It was a very, very good conversation. Um, I know I just talked about Oprah, but my next book is by her too. <laughs> it's by Oprah. It's by Oprah. Amazing. So this is one of my all-time favorite books. I read the digital version of it, but you can get the physical copy. It's called The Wisdom of Sundays. And I bought the physical copy from my mom for Christmas one year. And it's beautiful. Like it's a coffee table book. It has a lot of really like beautiful photos in it. But she pulls out the best wisdom from the interviews she's done over the years. And it is, it's one of those books. You honestly have to read it on a Sunday because you just read it so slow. It's like you make a big cup of tea and you just get lost in this book. And you're so happy after. I remember I would go to a coffee shop and read this book when it first came out and I would just leave the coffee shop so happy because it just has the most beautiful wisdom. Um, Just to give you a few examples, I'm going to give some quotes. Oprah always says intention rules every outcome. So every time I think of something that I'm going to do, I'm like, what is your intention with this? Because that is going to be the outcome. Devin Franklin in the book says, if you're not in control of the development of your life or aware that your life needs developing and you're just waking up every morning, going to a job, going through the motions, getting your paycheck, then really it's sort of like being the walking dead. Wow. And that resonated with me so much. Like Kelly and I are so much about personal development. That's why we have this podcast. And one of the girls in the book was Amy Purdy. And she said, if my life was a book and I was the author, how would I want this story to go? She also said, I try to live my life knowing that if you can see it and you can feel it and you can believe it, then it's completely possible. It's the type of book that you you look up from while you're reading it and you just reflect on your own life. And then you go back and you read some and you look up and you ponder. Wow. You're like, you'll read this book so slowly, but it's so beautiful. I highly recommend it. Repeat the title of the book. Uh, the Wisdom of Sundays. Love it. Great. Read it on Sundays, people. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's called that. But no, it, it's a great book. I 
Kelly and I came on to start this podcast and I was like, I'm in such a great mood because I just like made my notes for the wisdom of Sundays and I reread all the, everything I highlighted in the book. So it's just, I honestly would recommend it to anyone. I see why it's a tabletop book. It's one of those books that you can open up and be reminded about the great wisdom out there to keep you motivated in the direction that you're focusing on. Right. So. Yeah. If you're in a bad mood, just pull that book out. <laughs> yeah. I love this. I love that. That's so great. So my next one, it's an interview that Lauren and I conducted together. It was with our fellow minimalist friend, Joshua Becker. It's episode 126. And the book that he wrote is called Things That Matter, Overcoming Distraction to Pursue a More Meaningful Life. So as many of you may know, Joshua Becker was cleaning his garage one morning. This is his story. And he realized that he wasn't making the time he could have had he not had so many things to play with his son. And his son was like, hey, let's do this. And he goes, no, no, I'm busy decluttering and organizing things in my garage, right? And in that experience, he realized he he had so much excess in his life and he owned a lot of things that were versions of his past self and, you know, were versions of his fantasy version of himself. The the idea that he bought things that he thought he was going to use, but didn't end up using them. And in our conversation together, we discussed the important questions we can ask ourselves and the daily habits that we can carry out each day to help us live in alignment with our values and goals. He argues that a minimalist lifestyle has allowed him to align his life around the things he values more than he had ever thought possible, which is so powerful. So in this book, he really, really teaches you how to overcome the distractions in your life to pursue the things that are most meaningful to you to get that time back. And one of the book reviews says, quote, things that matter is a book about overcoming the chatter of a world focused on all the wrong things. It reminds us to be mindful about not letting the most important things in life get pushed to the side by the less essential, such as scrolling our phones, sending emails and organizing things we don't need. I love that. It's so true. And I want to add, lastly, that he argues that living a minimalist lifestyle helps us avoid future regrets. He's a major blogger, and he wrote a blog called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And in this blog article, he writes that the top five regrets are, number one, I wish I had the courage to live true to myself. So I know, Lauren, that when we are in our 60s and 70s, and if we weren't making time for the things that really lit us up in our life, we will 100% regret it. So something to remind ourselves. Number two was, I wish I hadn't worked so much. Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wish I'd let myself be happier. You know, you know, sometimes we aren't grateful for the things that we already have. And it's important that we do because when we're grateful for the things we have, we gain the things that we lack. And you also spoke earlier, Lauren, you mentioned how this lifestyle and some of the wisdom that you learned through these books is, you know, we create the space to give back. And we've talked about the helper's high and, you know, it's really good karma at the end of the day. Side note, this opportunity came to me recently and I thought to myself, well, this is not an opportunity for me, but this could be a great opportunity for someone else in my life. And I introduced that person to this opportunity and he ended up landing it and called me yesterday and was so excited. And I was like, I was so excited. And then I was like controlling my excitement. I was like, wait a second, this is his, his excitement. This is his journey. But it just made me so happy that I was able to connect something that lit him up 
So yeah, there's so much beauty in that, Lauren. I love that. I love yeah, you. People. You love connecting people. I feel like it's like your unique characteristic. Yeah. I just want to touch on something else that you said. Yeah. BetterHelp has sponsored our podcast in the past. And one of the therapists that I talked with, I was like, you know, I'm, I feel anxious when I'm not working on my dreams, but then I feel like I need to be working and making money. And she was like, you owe it to yourself to pursue your dreams. And I was like, that's such great advice. Like you, it's so hard sometimes to like work on the stuff that you love and that lights you up because you feel like you should be doing other stuff. And, but I, I like that you said that that was one of the, the dying wishes. Um, Another thing within my five books, they talk so much about consumerism and how it's, mm-hmm. it's not, obviously it's not fulfill your happiness yeah it's just yeah so many of them mention that you know we get trapped in our ego and we get trapped you know we think we are our possessions and that life's not meant like at least every book touched on it in some way so it was interesting that that is always at least one point in terms of a reflection on yeah, life it seems like book. a lot of us we ended up we end up buying things to make ourselves happy yeah, and, and this actually goes into my next book recommendation. It is uh, Break the Twitch by Anthony Ongaro, a practical guide to minimalism, intentional living, and doing more of what matters. So Anthony, fellow minimalist, in his book, he talks about his story of consumerism and how, you know, to be honest, a lot of these things were happening. He was buying a lot of items on Amazon over the course of a few years. And he was buying them out of feelings of anxiety and, and feeling down. And, you know, when you click that one click buy, it kind of, kind of helps reduce that level of anxiety for a moment. And he ended up finding that he spent over $12,000 on Amazon over the course of a couple of years. And in going through the list of all the things he bought, he realized that they're all little things, but little things add up and they weren't making him happy. And he shares how spending all this money made him feel like he couldn't say yes to certain experiences and opportunities with his friends and his family. So he was missing on these experiences. Meanwhile, he realized, oh, look at all this money I'm spending on Amazon. Had he not spent that money, he could have had all those experiences. And he talks about in his book, how to be a more mindful consumer by breaking what he calls the twitch, which he defines as an impulsive response to discomfort. It's our urge, that feeling that we feel, you know, that anxiety that we feel that makes us go from working on something on our computer to going to a website to make a quick purchase, to, you know, quickly feel relieved or, or go to our Instagram and check it quickly to distract us from that feeling, right? And he ended up decluttering his life of all the things that were adding value to his every day. And he gained money back. He gained time back. And he said, quote, while unwinding years of clutter, notifications and distractions may feel like a constant uphill battle, you will find the benefits are meaningful and worth the effort to achieve them. So powerful. So if you're looking to get started, you find that you don't have good behaviors when it comes to spending and you want to improve your habits when it comes to that, there is a solution. There is a way out of this. Break the Twitch is a great starting point. And again, we had a, I had a conversation with him in episode 142. Yeah. I feel like you're always coming up with new ideas on how to spend less. Now I'm, I try to say myself, oh, you can get that later. Cause do you find that a lot of things are on sale right now? Oh my gosh. Everything is on sale right now. It's the end of the year. It's black Friday just came by. And then of course it's going to be boxing day and there'll be more sales. And so you feel this pressure to buy now, buy now, buy now, but 
you got to step back and ask yourself, do I actually need this? Will I actually use it? And also step back and look at those prices because it might only be $5 off, $10 off. So you got to be very careful with those things too. So definitely yeah. check that. Because I get emails and it's like, oh, 25% off this, right. this workout. And I'm like, Lauren, if you're not going to pay full price for it, you probably don't want it. Yes. And I'm like, you can get it later. You can get it later. I just keep saying that's myself. So I'm like, oh, I got to get that now. It's $5 off or it's 25% off. And I'm like, no, you can get it later. And it's an expensive time of year. There's a lot of events going on. You have to buy gifts for people. So it's not a good time to be buying on impulse right now. Not that it's ever a good time. No, I know. I know. Because, you know, it's almost worth buying something full price, knowing that you're intentional with that purchase and you feel good about that purchase versus buying it because like, okay, it's on sale. And then you feel crazy anxiety after that. Yeah. It's much better. Even if you're paying $20 more for that item later in the year. So go in, go into it with some intent. Uh, Okay. So our next book, my my next book recommendation is how to break up with your phone, the 30 day plan to take back your life. And this is by author Catherine Price. It's, I interviewed her in episode 135. So this book is amazing. And I think everyone should read it because I would argue that majority of us are addicted to our phone in in some capacity. And if you are looking to find ways to disconnect and gain time back, this book in my discussion with her is definitely for you. So Catherine is a science journalist and speaker. And in this book, she helps us keep what we love about our phones and minimize or eliminate what we don't. So her goal is to help us step back from our phones that we can feel good and get back to what matters. You know, at the end of the day, all of these books, the common thread between all these books we're talking about today is that to remove the excess or manage the feelings or manage the the, the feelings that aren't serving us so that we can focus on what matters most. Really, that's the theme. And anyways, I learned so much from reading her book when whenever I feel the need to pick up my phone and when I feel anxious, I almost always Lauren think about the tips in her book because there are so many tips. She makes me think about other things in those moments. And she argues that our phones distract us from our emotions, which is so true. You know, we pick it up. We're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I don't need to think, right. I don't, I don't need to think about the things that are giving me anxiety. And she shares a shocking study in our discussion and in her book. So get this Lauren. So there was a group of participants and they were given the choice to either get a quick shock with some small device or be without their phone for 15 minutes. And in the study, the majority chose to be hit with a shock versus sitting without their phones for only 15 minutes. Yeah, I can see that. Like people are so attached. They feel like everything is urgent. They're bored or whatever they are. They're living the fast life or they're not living the fast life. They're addicted to their devices. And it's crazy to me that someone rather have a shock than sit without their phone for 15 minutes. So anyway, so she shares how to break bad habit loops. And she mentions our favorite doctor, Dr. Judd Brewer, uh, about uh, who wrote the book Unwinding Anxiety, as we talked about earlier. And some key takeaways from her book, some key points. She says, put boundaries around email and text messages. For example, schedule times to check emails and text messages. She says, leave your phone by the front door or in your bag with when you're with friends. What I've done now lately is I'll put my phone in the other room while I'm working so that I don't pick it up. Because if it's in my site, I will pick it up. And she recommends some app blockers on your phone. There's a couple uh, app blockers. They're called Moment and Off Time. 
and they help us track and set limits to our phone usage. So they will stop us from using certain apps. I think that's pretty cool and and in many ways healthy because we we all need it. And the last book I want to share is Don't Be Trashy. It's a practical guide to living with less waste and more joy. We interviewed her together, Lauren. Tara McKenna is the author. You'll find this book at all the health food stores. It's episode 132. Now, she is a writer behind the super popular Zero Waste Collective blog. So if you're interested in sustainable and conscious living, definitely check her out. And in this book, she talks about how to reduce your waste and live more consciously. She also provides tips to help us shop more sustainably. You know, she talks about what fabrics we should be looking for. And her book is so information packed that I ended up taking and I read the audio book, right? Uh, and then I, and then I, so I, I read the audiobook and then I, then I actually had to find the physical version because there was, it was so much information and I took screenshots and I still have all the screenshots. She shares, you know, how to swap everyday household items for more sustainable alternatives. It's just so helpful if you are looking to reduce the amount of waste in your life. And the central message in her book is that in addition to saving money, living consciously has helped her live a more mindful and purposeful every day. She says that she is more purposeful about her actions and her purchases. She eats healthier. She's making more time to meet new people and friends. She's learning to budget better. She's being more active in her community and she's simplifying and decluttering her home. Like all these things come, go hand in hand. I found that when you and I originally, you know, really adopted this lifestyle, we said, oh, wow, there's ways for us to live more sustainably and more consciously Like it, because there's less noise in our life. We can focus on every area and be like, oh, how can I be less wasteful? So I find that I always do that with everything. I'm like, okay, so what can I swap? What's an alternative to this, right? So it's interesting. Yeah. One of the biggest benefits too of buying more sustainable products is you save so much money. (laughs) I switched from like feminine hygiene products to reusable proof underwear. Yeah. I like switched from body wash to a bar bar of soap is so much cheaper. There's no waste. And I literally did the math. I'm like, I have just saved myself thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars over the course of my lifetime. So, you know, these little tiny things, which are so good for the environment, they're such easy, quick swaps will save you so much money. Yeah. 100%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I should start budgeting a little bit more and actually physically writing it down and seeing how much, although when I shop, I'm a conscious consumer. I do look at prices. A lot of people shop and they don't look at prices, which is crazy to me. I guess my parents taught me to always look at the price. And if something's on sale, definitely get that item, of course, unless it's not an item that you will use. But yeah, to start to close, I wanted to touch on just a couple more authors that we've interviewed in the past. The number one is uh, Barry Schwartz. It's episode 137. He wrote the book, The Paradox of Choice, Why More is Less, How the Culture of Abundance Robs Us of Satisfaction. Basically shares the implications that come with having too much choice and the power of embracing good enough. He argues that having too many options discourages us from making decisions and he shares how limiting our choices will make us better off. Uh, The next author is Greg McEwen, one of my all-time favorite authors. He wrote the books Essentialism and Effortless, and that's episode 85 and episode 106. And of course, I'm going to include all these in the show notes, so you don't need to remember. You can just click at the end of this episode. (laughs) And in Essentialism, he talks about how to focus on what's essential. 
And then his second book, Effortless, it's his second book to the first one to talk about how we can focus on what's most essential in an effortless way. He found that in the first book, he realized, okay, focus on what's essential. But a lot of the time we think everything's essential and then we become overwhelmed. So then he, in Effortless, he shows us how to break down what's most essential so that we have more time and more balance in our life. And then near AL, he wrote the book, Indistractable, How to Control Your Intention and Choose Your Life. This book changed my life in many ways, how to manage everyday distractions. We all need that. It's episode 97. And lastly, Patrick J. McGinnis, he wrote the book, The Fear of Missing Out. He coined the word FOMO. His book is called The Fear of Missing Out, Practical Decision-Making in a World of Overwhelming Choice. And he talks about how to rid or manage the feelings of FOMO and embrace JOMO, the joy of missing out. And again, that's episode 92. So to close, I am currently reading The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. And in, in this reading and in studying stoicism, which I'm surprised we haven't touched on yet, there's a strong relationship between stoicism and Stoic philosophies and minimalism, it's super aligned. I mean, the mindset is very similar. So we're definitely gonna have to do an episode on that. I'm also uh, almost completed 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. It's a long book. He argues, you know, he shows how the average person lives 4,000 weeks, which is approximately 77 years. It's crazy when you put it in that in that way. I'm also reading The Sleep Book by Dr. Guy Meadows. And uh, I still have a book running Healthy Habits by Fumio Sasaki, which you recommended to me, Lauren. That's a great book as well. But uh, yeah, I'm almost finished 4,000 weeks and The Daily Stoic is incredible. I, I actually want the hard copy of that because it's so good. It's one of those books where you want to keep opening it to remind yourself. So it's like a yeah, tabletop some, book. Yeah, some books you have to go back and reread just to keep it fresh in your mind to oh keep applying gosh. it to your life. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Well, this was fun. Thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you to all of our listeners who asked us about our book recommendations and what we're reading today. So we hope this is super helpful and it's definitely a way to kind of you know, end the year with a bang to just share a summary of all of our episodes. So, uh, you know, if we don't speak to you before the holidays, happy holidays to everyone. And uh, we will speak to you next week. Yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. And we have some great interviews coming up next year, which we're looking forward to. Yes. Yes. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope that we've inspired your next read and also motivated you to listen to our past episodes with some of the authors we discussed today. And you can find a list of all the book titles in our show notes, including quick links to past episodes as well. And to close, as I had mentioned, the common theme between all the titles today is the focus on simplifying your life and living with greater intention, all in an effort to help you be your best self and make time for what matters most. For you, this could mean clearing the physical excess in your home, working on your mental and emotional clutter, or working to change your spending habits and removing the distractions that may be getting in your way. Whatever your goals may be today and into 2023, we are here to help. And as always, you can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Millennial Minimalist. And if you haven't already, we would love it if you could please write us a kind five-star rating and review on iTunes. Even just a few words makes us so, so happy. Your words keep us motivated and help us bring on more exciting guests. So happy holidays once again, and we will speak with you soon. Bye-bye.